So persecution is getting worse around the world. Between November 1st, 2017 and October 31st, 2018, I, I want to share some statistics with you over that, that year period. Over 245 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution. 245 million Christians in 50 countries experience high levels of persecution. That's nearly one-tenth of those who claim the name of Christ around the world. Ten percent. Between November 1st, 2017 and October 31st, 2018, 4,305 Christians were killed for their faith. That's almost 12 Christians per day. And those are only the ones that we know about. 1,847 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. That's five per day. Five every day, churches being bombed or uh, Christian buildings being attacked. 3,150 believers in that year were detained without trial, were arrested, were sentenced, or imprisoned. 3,150, that's almost 10 per day. Around 80%, get this, all right, this is a scary statistic right here. Around 80% of all persecution against religious believers worldwide is against Christians. So out of all the persecution that takes place because of religious reasons, 80% takes place against Christians. In Iraq, at the turn of the century, and I'm not talking the 1900s, I'm talking the turn of the 21st century. In Iraq, there were 1.5 million Christians at the turn of the century. Now there may be as few as 120,000. That's a 90% reduction in Christians in the country of Iraq in 19 years. In the Middle East and North Africa, where Christianity got its start, statistics show that it is on the verge of being wiped out completely. Persecution has reached near genocide levels, according to one study. That's what's going on around the world. And here in America, we kind of forget about it. We kind of forget about the persecution happening in places around the world. And we tend to think, well, you know, everybody has freedom of religion because we have freedom of religion here in this country. We're, we're free to gather on a Sunday morning or Saturday night or midweek services or whatever you, whenever you come to church. You know, we, we have this freedom. Doesn't everybody? No. Not everybody. Persecution is a reality for most of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. A scary reality around the world. And we tend to, you know, we think uh, we're being persecuted when uh, you, you, you carry your Bible and, and somebody, you know, makes a comment. You're reading your Bible on your, your break at work and somebody makes a comment to you. What are you, some kind of Jesus freak? And we think, oh, I'm being persecuted. That's eh, a form of persecution. But it's not like the government is breaking down your door to arrest you because of your faith. No, we tend to think that, you know, persecution is, is kind of insignificant, kind of minor. For our brothers and sisters around the world, persecution is reality. And it's because of their faith in Jesus. For no other reason other than the fact that they're Christians. We are a little naive to think that it would never happen here. We're, we're a lot naive 
to think that it would never happen here. Oh, no, we have the Constitution. No, 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 no. As things progress toward the end of history, as things progress toward the return of Christ, things will get worse everywhere, including for us here in America. I believe it. Now, when it comes to this idea of um, persecution, uh, this is the second part of a two-part sermon uh, we started last week. Uh, we've been going through the Beatitudes here on the weekends at GFCC since the beginning of June. And w there are nine Beatitudes, and a Beatitude is simply a blessing that Jesus pronounced. And these nine Beatitudes are at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest recorded sermon in the Gospels. And so we have looked at uh, eight of these nine blessings, and, and today is the ninth one. And I just kind of want to recap them for you a little bit. Uh, I told you to think of these uh, blessings as kind of a staircase uh, that leads us to a different kind of thinking, uh, a shift in our minds, um, a change of uh, perspective when it comes to being more kingdom-minded versus earthly-minded thinking more about the things of God and living more for the things of God than we live for the things of this world. So when it comes to this idea of being kingdom-minded, it starts when we realize our own spiritual bankruptcy. Uh, when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we know we're on the right track to heaven when we realize that we are spiritually broken and spiritually bankrupt. That our spiritual poverty leads us to understand that we don't have it all together, and we're not okay. We need a Savior. Uh, the next week we talked about how blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And, and when we uh, realize just how sinful we are, we mourn over our sinful spiritual condition. And that leads us to repentance. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we believe in Him, and we repent from our sins, we turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness and we publicly acknowledge our faith by confession and getting baptized, that God washes away our sins and He fills us with the Holy Spirit and He begins to change us from the inside out. And, and Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And our change, uh, the change begins in us to transform our lives from being uh, maybe hostile and angry and, and violent and, and, and taking revenge. We become more meek and gentle, and humble in the way that we treat other people, in the way we act toward other people. We become more meek. And then we begin to hunger and thirst for the right things. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And when we start to hunger and thirst for the right things, the things that God wants, on a personal level, the, what God desires for our lives personally, and what God desires for our world on a societal level, that God... Uh, puts this hunger and thirst for righteousness within us, and he fills that. He satisfies that. And when we realize just how much we've been forgiven, we begin to forgive others. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And that when we realize just how bad we are and how much God has forgiven us, we in turn can forgive other people who hurt us. Our motives begin to change. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And our motives begin to change, and, and our hearts become purified. And, and it's not just a purity of heart that comes when God forgives our sins, but rather it's a, a purity of heart in, in why we do what we do. Our motivations for the way that we live, our motivations for sharing the gospel, our motivations uh, in everything we do, our motives are purified. 
and we are changed from the inside out. And then we become peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And, and we realize that we're supposed to be peacemakers and not peace breakers. And we choose to diffuse, if you remember that message from a couple weeks ago. Then instead of escalating situations and seeking retaliation and revenge, instead we choose to be peacemakers. And ultimately we help to bring peace between God and people when we share our faith and when we introduce people to Jesus, we bring people to church, that we become peacemakers between God and humanity. But we also become peacemakers between one another, that we bring peace to situations where there is uh, discord and fighting and division. Last week we talked about how blessed are the those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it's kind of a bookend to the first beatitude where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then last week we talked about, we know we have just about arrived when we realize that we're going to be persecuted for doing the right things. When we make the right choices and, and the world that is very dark and sinful around us doesn't want to hear the truth about Jesus. They don't want to hear the truth about righteousness. And they begin to persecute us because we choose to do the right thing. Well, today we're going to continue on in this series. We're going to conclude this series by talking about persecution once again. And uh, we're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at a bunch of different passages of Scripture today. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture. And uh, we'll put the words up on the screen. But you can also follow along in your GFCC app. Um, if you haven't pulled out your phone yet and... and uh, Open up the app. Uh, the sermon notes are in your app. Um, if you haven't gotten the app yet, you can go to your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, and you can download the GFCC app by searching for GFCC. Um, and the, the app is a great way to keep track with the sermon, take notes in the app, things like that, um, as well as um, share it with other people. Uh, so we're in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 11 and verse 12, um, and we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be persecuted for the sake of Jesus. So um, look at verse 11 with me. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11. Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now along the way I've been teaching you some ancient Greek words because the New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And there are three words I want to look at real quick right now. Uh, the first is the word onedizo, uh, which means to re uh, reproach, revile, or insult. And Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you because of me. When people onedizo you because of me. Now, this idea of being blessed because we are being persecuted, that doesn't really jive with our uh, con uh, concept of blessing. Uh, when we think about being hashtag blessed, we, we tend to think of uh, a new baby. Oh, we had a, uh, got a new grandchild, hashtag blessed. Or we'll tend to think of a new car. Hey, got a new car. New Cadillac. Hashtag blessed. Or we got a new house. We moved across town. We got a bigger house for our bigger family. We're hashtag blessed. They put extra pickles on my burger at Culver's. Hashtag blessed. Right? That's what we tend to think of blessing. But Jesus turns that idea upside down. He says, you are blessed when you are insulted because of me. He says you are blessed when you are persecuted because of me. Uh, the Greek word for persecute is the word dioko. And he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted because of me. Uh, the Greek word uh, for 
uh, people saying all kinds of evil against you is the word pseudomai. And, and if you've heard of a, like a pseudonym, uh, uh, something that's pseudo, it means fake or false. And, and pseudomai means to spread lies. So when people lie about you, and people persecute you, and people insult you, you are blessed. And we don't think of that as being blessed, do we? That's exactly what Jesus said. He said it in Luke 6, 22. Check this out. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. Blessed are you. You are hashtag blessed when you are hated, excluded, insulted because of me, Jesus says. You are truly blessed. We don't think of that way. Uh, the word uh, for hated is the word maseo. And it means to hate or to be hated or dis detested. I mean, what was the last time you said, yes, I am hated because of my faith? Woohoo! I am blessed because I am hated. We don't think that way. Jesus says you are blessed when you are hated. And we shouldn't be surprised when the world hates us. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse 18, he said this, if the world hates you, that's that word maseo, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, this word is used again. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated, maseo, by all nations because of me. Notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say if you're persecuted. He says when you're persecuted. He doesn't say you may be hated because of me. He says you will be hated because of me. We shouldn't be surprised when persecution breaks out against Christians and Christ's church. We shouldn't be surprised. Jesus told us it was going to happen. It will happen. You will be hated because of me, he said. And I, I know it's a bummer of a message. You know, we like positive thinking. We like, oh, feel good sermons. And, and you know, the, the future's bright. Lolly, you know, rainbows, lollipops. Everything's wonderful. You know? We, we want Lego church. Everything is awesome. But it's not. It's going to get worse. Consider yourselves warned. Don't be surprised. Jesus says it will happen. So how can we rejoice? I mean, how can we feel blessed? How can we feel hashtag blessed when we're persecuted? Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward. Where? In heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Greek word for rejoice is the word Cairo. And it means to rejoice. But I, I like the second word uh, here that, uh, for be glad is uh, agaliao. And it means to rejoice ex exceedingly. So he says rejoice and rejoice some more. Rejoice and rejoice even more. Because great is your reward in heaven. That though you may be persecuted on earth, your reward is great in heaven heaven. In Luke 6, 23, Jesus says this about persecution. He says, rejoice in that day when you are hated and insulted and excluded and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. 
And so people before us, prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles in the New Testament, the uh, martyrs throughout the last 2,000 years of Christian history have been persecuted for their faith. If they did it to them, they're going to do it to us. In one way or another, in some way or fashion, they're going to do it to us. There's a great story from the book of Acts. It's probably one of my favorite, it's one of my absolute favorite stories in the book of Acts. And because it's so counterintuitive, it's so unbelievable, it's almost unbelievable what happened. Peter and the apostles were preaching in Jerusalem. And some of the Sadducees, some of the religious leaders, had them arrested and thrown into prison. Because they were preaching in the name of Jesus, even though they were told not to. So they're in prison, and in the middle of the night, an angel comes and sets them free. Breaks them out of prison. And they end up back in Jerusalem, in the middle of the temple, preaching in Jesus' name again. Well, the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, the religious ruling council of Israel, sends for them, for the apostles, in prison. And the guards come back and say, they ain't there. Well, what do you mean? We have them arrested. No, they're in the, they're in the temple preaching again. What? Go get them. So they arrest them again, and they bring them before the Sanhedrin. This is what happens. Look at uh, uh, the, the Sanhedrin says, we told you not to do this anymore. This is what Peter says in Acts 5.29. It says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. There's a whole sermon there. And next year, we're going to go through the entire book of Acts. We're going to preach through the book of Acts one chapter at a time. We'll get to it then, and we will talk about this. Um, that's next year. For today, look at verse 30. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, the Sanhedrin, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Here's the thing about the apostles, is if you remember the night that Jesus was crucified, what did they do? They ran and, and scattered like chickens. I mean, like, like terrified little children. And they ran away, and, and, and then here they are. Just a couple months later, standing before the Jewish ruling council, and these are like the, the bigwigs of, of, of the religious uh, leaders, and they're pointing fingers in their faces and saying, you killed Jesus, God raised him from the dead, and we're not going to obey you, instead we're going to obey God. And they wanted to put him to death, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel stands up and says, look, guys, if this is all a joke, if this is all a hoax, if this is all fake, this will die down. You don't need to kill these people. If this is, if this is fake, you know, just, just let them go. But if it's real, if this is truly real, you're going to find yourselves fighting against God. And you don't want to do that. Look at verse 40. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. 39 lashes, folks. They had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And verse 41 blows my mind look at this the apostles left the sanhedrin after being flogged rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name could you imagine being beaten for your faith within an inch of your life and walking out of there going yes i am being persecuted they nearly killed me today because of jesus and i got to suffer for jesus that doesn't preach well in 21st century America. 
We don't like to suffer for nothing, let alone suffering for Jesus. But that's exactly what the apostles did. They suffered for Christ and they rejoiced because of it. Could you imagine? Rejoicing in suffering because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. It's amazing faith. And the reason they could rejoice is because it was true. Jesus really did rise from the dead. He really came back to life. He really was alive. And he still is to this day. So I, when it comes to you know, how we deal with persecution, how you're supposed to deal with persecution, I have some suggestions I'd like to make. The first is, you need to love those who hate you because of Jesus. And you may be dealing with persecution in your home. You might be the only Christian in your home. You might be the only one. Your spouse, your significant other, you know, they don't believe in Jesus. And they, and they persecute you because of it. Or your kids don't believe in Jesus and they make fun of you. Or your grandkids don't believe in Jesus, they make fun of you. Or your parents don't believe in Jesus, teenagers, and they make fun of you for going to church. You may, don't retaliate and don't stoop to their level. Love those who hate you because of Jesus. Uh, in, in Luke 6, 27, 28, Jesus said this. To you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. We are to love those who consider us to be their enemies. We are to pray for those who persecute us. We are to love those who hate us. And then Jesus gives us the golden rule, right? Uh, you, you're all familiar with the golden rule, Luke 6, 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Notice this idea of the golden rule, do to others as you would have them do to you, is in the context of persecution. It's those who persecute you, do to them what you would have them do to you. Treat them the way you want to be treated. I like what author Dave Willis said, and he, he puts it this way. Don't treat others the way they treat you, Treat others the way you want God to treat you. If you want God to love you, you need to treat others that way. If you want God to forgive you, you need to treat others that way. Don't treat others the way you want them to treat you. Treat others the way you want God to treat you. I love that. And so if you're the only Christian in your home, love the people in your home. If you're the only Christian at work, love the people at work. Even if they make fun of you, even if they harass you, even if they persecute you, love the people at work. If you're the only Christian at school, teenagers, you know, you're the only one at the lunch table uh, who goes to church, you're the only one, uh, don't lash out, don't retaliate, don't stoop to their level. Instead, love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Secondly, you need to rejoice when you are persecuted for Jesus. And again, that sounds crazy, right? That, I mean, that's just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when it comes to... You know, how can you rejoice when you're persecuted? Because Jesus said this, great is your reward in heaven. Don't forget that this life is temporary. Don't forget that this life is but a moment. It is but a breath compared to eternity. This life is a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean of eternity. We are going to live forever with Jesus. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Don't retaliate against those who hate you. Don't retaliate against those who persecute you. Don't stoop to their level. Rejoice when you're persecuted because you know you're on the right track. 
Rejoice when you're persecuted because you're standing up for your faith. Rejoice when you're persecuted because Jesus wins. Don't forget, Jesus wins and great is your reward in heaven. You may be persecuted on earth, but you will be rewarded in heaven. Don't forget that. And finally, pray for the persecuted church around the world and those who persecute our brothers and sisters in Christ. They need your prayers. They need our prayers. Prayers for strength. Prayers for courage. Prayers for faithfulness. Prayers that they don't give up. Prayers that they persevere. Don't, because here's the thing. You know, we may lose face. They're losing family. We may be treated unkindly. They're being killed. We may be persecuted a little bit. We may be made to feel uncomfortable. They're losing their lives. They're being imprisoned. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted. And pray for those who persecute them. That by the example, by the bravery and the courage that our brothers and sisters show, that they'll be able to win people to the Lord. Because that is ultimately our greatest desire, is to bring people to Jesus. So that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess here on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pray for the persecuted church. Pray for those who persecute them. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world. Because persecution is real. People are really dying for their faith in Christ. People are sitting in prisons right now awaiting death because of their faith in Christ. And we, who have the freedom to, to gather and assemble and to pray publicly and openly, let's not take that for granted. Until persecution breaks out here, let us take advantage of every opportunity. And here's the thing, guys. I, I think that our faith, uh, you look at faith around the world and places uh, where their lives are in danger and their faith is so strong. They're so strong. And they believe so deeply because Jesus is all they've got. And here in America where we have everything and Jesus is just an option on the menu, our faith is weak. Our faith is anemic. We need to strengthen our faith. And what we may need is persecution. We may need persecution to strengthen our faith so that we realize Jesus is all we've got. And when we do that, when we get to the point where we realize that Jesus is all we've got, when we get to the point where persecution breaks out here in, in our homeland, when we realize that Jesus is all we have, it'll strengthen our faith. It'll make us more courageous. And we will truly be hashtag blessed.